the Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to John. Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Judeans? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Judean, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Judeans. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So, you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born. And for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Merciful God, we seek your truth. Teach us your truth. Amen. Pilate and Jesus, two kings, each with legitimate claim to authority, power, influence, one, a temporal ruler whose position is legitimated by the dominant political and military forces of the day. The other, a spiritual ruler, an eternal ruler, whose authority seems somehow inherent, bestowed by another source, apparent to those who have eyes to see. The setting is Pilate's arena. According to the narrative, Jesus is on trial. But is that really what's going on here? Who is being tried by whom? And until the hour when Jesus comes again in glory, we live our lives with a foot in each realm, with dueling monarchs, dual citizenship, with contested allegiance. In fleeting moments, we glimpse coherence, more often, however, a trying dissonance. And between the two, a question hangs in the balance. What is truth? The interrogation begins with titles and kingdoms. Are you a king? Then moves to authority. For if a king, then by whose authority? From whence does it derive? Then deeper still, what constitutes authority? For Pilate, 
Authority comes from Caesar. It's maintained through effective control, governance, his capacity to keep the people in their proper places. For Jesus, authority comes from God, which is to say, from love. Pilate asserts the truth that he can have Jesus jailed, whipped, crucified. Jesus stands in the truth that love from God is neither subject to nor bowed by any external authority. Is it too simple to say that one is the realm of the mind and the ego, the other the realm of the heart and true self? Or that one administers justice through control, the other reveals justice through compassion? What is truth? Once upon a time in the Western world, so confident were we in man's enlightened gifts of reason and scientific acumen, we knew we could answer that question, that step by step the truth of life's natural order would be fully known. But thankfully, someone pulled back the curtain in Oz, revealing the little white male colonial wizard and his humbug pursuit, for the truth was different for women, for black people, brown people, for any who've known systemic oppression. What is truth? One is tempted to abandon the question altogether, acknowledge that any truth is merely relative, subject to countless nuances of situation, perception, identity, agenda, language, imagery, and so forth. The only thing that matters is my truth. Ha! You accuse. The preacher abandons authority for some version of nihilism, relativism, or political correctness. No. None of us can abandon the questions today. The stakes are high. Truth has rarely felt more deeply contested than in today's polarized landscape. Most immediately, three headlines from the past week. Julius Jones' death sentence commuted to life without parole. Muhammad Aziz and Khalil Islam exonerated after serving 20 years in prison for the murder of Malcolm X, a crime they did not commit, apparently, and Kyle Rittenhouse acquittal. Long have we known the truth, justice, the abrogation thereof depend mightily upon who's trying whom in whose court. But these days, even when earnest brokers roll up their sleeves and seek common ground, the conversations break down. The diverging perspectives of truth become irreconcilable. And I'm not just talking about judges' rulings or politicians' debates, for these are reflections of the polis of us. So I wonder what it would be if we shift from talking in Pilate's language in which truth reverts to mastery and control 
And I wonder how it would be for us to talk in Jesus' language, in which truth centered in love is expressed in humility and compassion and awareness that we are each one another's sisters, brothers, siblings, even as the divisions and the debates continue, even as truth is contested in the meantime, in the same time, what might it be for us to seek to live from that posture of love? So, two illustrations. Alok Vedmenon, who goes simply by Alok, is a gender non-conforming trans-feminine writer and performance artist, author most recently of Beyond the Gender Binary. In a recent podcast, Alok spoke of the abuse and violence transgendered people experience at the hands of straight or cisgendered people. Often, says Alok, the focus of the conversation is on comprehension, not compassion. People will say, I, I just don't understand. He says, why do you need to understand me in order to say that I shouldn't be experiencing violence? When you say, I don't get it, that becomes a shield for you to say, I'm okay with you being exposed to violence. So we need to name that bluff out loud. It's never been about comprehension. It's been about compassion. Because here's the thing, you have the time to learn the things that you prioritize, but when it comes to gender non-conforming people, it's, I don't really have the time to understand. Maybe you don't have the compassion. It's like when people get upset and say, there's so many new words that are being created around gender and sexuality. Why didn't you take a more public stance on the Oxford comma, asks Alok. You didn't care about grammar then. Why is it not enough to be compassionate? I shouldn't have to understand you to love you and to want your safety." End quote. Brian Stevenson, the founder and executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery, Alabama, the author of Just Mercy, in a recently released conversation, Stevenson told Krista Tippett he believes that some of us are called to be stone catchers. Asked to explain, he said, well, I think we're at a time when it's just become so easy to judge people in these really harsh, extreme ways that even people of faith have been pulled into this habit, this instinct for condemning the others who don't share their beliefs and views, for reducing people to their worst act. I've always been struck by that parable, said he where Jesus encounters the woman who's been caught in adultery. And what's powerful about it is no one says, 
oh, she didn't do it. It's not an innocence story. That's not part of it. Those who are there to judge her say that the law says we should stone her to death. Jesus says, well, let he of you who is without sin cast the first stone. And they're convicted by that because they know that none of them is sinless. And one by one, they put their stones down. They walk away. Then Jesus says to the woman, go, and sin no more. It's a powerful story about mercy, redemption, grace. Stevenson continues, I've realized that in this era, I don't think our righteous would put their stones down. I think we have too many people who would, despite that exhortation, would still cast the stones. They feel insulated from the hypocrisy and judgment that that implies. So I think it's incumbent on some of us to intervene, to catch the stones. Some of us are going to have to be stone catchers. Just because people won't recognize that it's not right and just to cast those stones doesn't mean that's the end of the struggle. We have to stand up. We have to step in front of those who are vulnerable, and we have to catch those stones. I think that's one of the callings for this moment." End quote. In the coming week, most of us will create Sabbath time for Thanksgiving. We may find ourselves alone or with family or friends in gatherings that are joyful, difficult, or bittersweet mix of both. Many of us will pause to give thanks for the blessings of our lives. And one of the great blessings in my life for which I give thanks is you, each of you, and all of you. It's no small thing to be gathered together, trying together to love God, to love one another, to love our neighbors as ourselves. I am grateful for you, for your companionship, your witness, your generosity, your compassion, your courage. I'm grateful that together we're giving our hearts to Jesus' truth, to the way of love. Amen.